Welcome back to Entertainment Geekly. I'm Darren Franish. Across from me, with a just grotesquely disfigured face <laughs> due to uh, oxygen, uh, oxygen? oxygen, oxygen, oxygen deprivation, oxygen deprivation. Uh, it's Jeff Jensen. Jeff, what are we talking about today? We're talking about uh, Deadpool. We're talking about Deadpool. Uh, it's the new movie, nominally in the X Men film series, uh, in ways that. Uh, maybe do maybe are important and maybe aren't important. We'll get into that later. Um, Deadpool is a character created in the early '90s by Rob Liefeld, and I've never said this guy's name out loud before. I think it's Fabian Nishiza. Fabian Nicieza. Wow. I, I read so many things by this writer back in the day, and I have never said his name out loud right. before right now. Continuing a proud tradition of this podcast of really not knowing how to pronounce names. <laughs> we, we were readers when we were kids. That's right. right? Uh, yes. We were readers, not talkers. We're not performers. Um, now, Deadpool is a character. What's, what's your awareness of him, Jeff? I read him a lot when I was a kid reading comic books in the 1990s. He... I, I guess you could say in a way, he's maybe the main contribution of my era of comic books to comic book history now, insofar as I'm not sure any other character introduced in the Marvel Universe or the X-Men Universe has had such an effect on people the way that Deadpool has. But were you reading comic books when he first appeared in Marvel Comics? You know, uh, so that would be circa the 1990s. Yes, he he first appeared in New Mutants and then it became kind of a key X-Force character. Yeah, Um, that was at a time in my comic book reading where I really wasn't paying much attention to mainstream superhero stuff, especially X-Men family stuff. Um, so I really didn't have a frame of reference for for Deadpool or much appreciation for Deadpool. I know that, like, I think I was aware of the character, and my perception of the char- character was that he was very, he was glib, he was funny, but that he was also a mercenary, I think. The merc with a mouth. The yes. merc with a mouth. And that, uh, and, and as... As an expression of that, he was somewhat like nihilistic, and I remember that that was at a time where comics were getting "quote unquote" grim and gritty, um, as people like to talk about now. And I, I was very aware of that as a comic book reader at the time, and I really didn't like this this turn uh, toward super dark, super cynical, super, super violent. So while I could definitely appreciate his sense of humor because it reminded me of things of uh, the sort of like uh, self-aware, slightly meta or very meta, uh, you know, parody of the medium kind of characters. Uh, I love that in Ambush Bug. You know, there was a character from the, from the 80s uh, that DC published that was kind of like very meta, very self-aware. Um, and I, I was greatly entertained by Ambush Bug. Similarly, uh, She-Hulk uh, from, I think, either late 80s or 90s that got, got a little meta. Um, and, I, and, I, and I was aware of that and appreciated some of that. To see that kind of idea expressed through a kind of archetype that I was just like, no, I mean, I just... Like, everything seemed to, like, trend toward the Punisher, who is a super nihilistic, kind of, like, vigilante, vengeance-driven, kill-everyone hero. And so anything that was sort of that smacked of that, I was out. That said, uh, so I didn't really read uh, read a lot of Deadpool, but I think as as we talked about last night when we saw the movie, 
I had this bleeding opportunity uh, during my comic book writing days at the turn of the century to to team titans <laughs> to uh, to actually uh, pitch ideas for for for. For uh, uh, for the Deadpool like character Agent X, there was a period of this time when Deadpool was canceled and no longer existed. But they tried to reboot him as a character called Agent X. So for all my blather about um, about like like not really liking Deadpool, uh, like in my mercenary comic book writing days, I had an opportunity to pitch uh, ideas for such a comic, and I said, why not? Um, and, uh, and, it, and, and it didn't work out. They didn't like my ideas. So it's funny. So you would have been pitching that, that idea, I think it was 2000 or 2001, you yeah, said, right? Yeah, this yeah. is when all the X-Men comic books, I think essentially as a reaction, as a classic overreaction to the fact that the X-Men movie did well, they renamed Deadpool Agent X. They did, in fact, rename Cable Soldier X. Oh, I, did. I had floated that idea last night as kind of a joke, and in fact, that was the case. Um, around the same time, they also changed X-Force into X-Statics, which you might get to later. But um, I, uh, I I realized actually because I was doing some, some some research into this, some research into my own past. I was a big fan of a Deadpool solo series written by Joe Kelly and initially illustrated by Ed McGuinness, who was kind of a great at the moment when a lot of people were kind of doing their version of McFarlane or Liefeld. You know that really kind of you know uh, that, that 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 great kind of image comics era, very kind of steroidal, very kind kind of, um, you know, realistic is the wrong word, but very much an attempt to look badass, if, if we can just graft all the Image Comics illustrators under that really kind of fragilely constructed umbrella. Um, Ed McGinnis was, was a more kind of like, like retro illustrator. He was very influenced by Jack Kirby. And uh, the Deadpool solo comic started off being... Very kind of very funny, very goofy. Deadpool, as, as as you talked about, was constantly breaking the fourth wall. Um, at, at at the time, as a kind of twelve or thirteen year old, I was reading a lot of comic books, and for me, that just felt like it was at a moment when. I was very clearly beginning to sense the tropes of the superhero storytelling. To have a comic book that was itself very aware of those tropes and was willing to make fun of them, but also frequently explode them. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I love about that run, which has all actually been collected in one big uh, Marvel omnibus, is in, episode, in issue 11, it was 64 pages, maybe 48 pages, in my, in my memory it was like a thousand pages. Um, Deadpool actually time-traveled back to a specific issue of The Amazing Spider-Man from the late 60s, huh. and they actually used a process they called a kind of kind of forest gumping, because this was still the 90s, where they kind of inserted Deadpool into areas where Spider-Man had been before, and it was just, it was a really fun comic book, which then took an insane turn and became very serious, and in issue 25, Deadpool had been tasked by an international, an, an, an inter-reality agency of some kind. Um, he'd been tasked with preventing, essentially, the alien Antichrist from killing the alien Messiah. And in a, in a, in a classic Deadpool twist, it turned out that the Messiah was actually the bad guy. And so it, it, was, it, it was a crazy comic book. And when Joe Kelly left, it was issue 32 or 33, that was... I believe October 1999 when I entered high school, and strangely, I think this is entirely a coincidence, that's about when I fell off on mainstream superhero comic books. Flash forward to 2016, Jeff. Deadpool, the movie, is coming out in theaters this week. 
um, long history of this movie being made. Ryan Reynolds has wanted to make it for over 10 years. He actually played a version of Deadpool in X-Men Origins Wolverine, which I still say is the worst superhero movie ever made. Um, and and, and in, in fairness, this movie also seems to think X-Men Origins Wolverine is the worst movie ever made. There are many jokes at its expense. Um, let's just talk general reactions, Jeff. Uh, what did you think about Deadpool um, exceed expectations. What were your expectations? Um, I was sitting next to you. You. It seemed like you laughed a few times. So there was some gut level enjoyment. I, I. I. Of course was was marking down all your reactions as as part of my ongoing scientific study. Oh wow. Um, what did you uh, What did you think about about Deadpool? Well, kind of going big picture, and then uh, and as a way to back in your question here, you know, there is part of me that is surprised that we have like a big budget um, uh, Deadpool movie uh, that that this character has had such a has permeated into the culture to such a degree that Hollywood would decide to you know make a movie about him that that Hollywood would agree that he has some kind of, of, of he, he's saturated it's enough of an icon that um, yeah sure you have a star like Ryan Reynolds and you can build a movie around that that kind of uh, his celebrity at, at, at a certain price but that Deadpool is enough of an icon to make a movie up. That, that, that surprises me. Um, and yet, um, so it, it, curious about that, I, I, I asked my, my son, uh, um, who is 14, um, if he was aware of Deadpool. My son doesn't read comic books, but he is proof that there is some kind of like cultural penetration of, of, of Deadpool because... My son and all of his friends like know Deadpool, and they know what he stands for, and they they understand just like oh yeah he's he's uh, he's the Burke with the mouth. He tells jokes. He's funny, and he kills a lot of people in very entertaining fashion. They get this idea, and um, I, I wish I understood more about how Deadpool has so successfully trickled down, even with people who don't read comics, but there you go. That fascinates me. I mean, um, so we should just start with uh, the Deadpool movie begins um, right in the middle of Deadpool, who is a mercenary. Um, he is chasing after someone. We later learn it's the character Ajax. One of the things I kind of love about the Deadpool movie is the, you know, with, with the X-Men characters owned by Fox, that there are so many people to choose from, and it really does feel like, in a very loving way, this movie chose, like, like the E-list characters, like, with, you know, with Ajax and... Um, uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and you know, they're, 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 Colossus, and, and, and Colossus. Um, they're, you know, they're, 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 there's a playful, self-aware sense that this is a movie composed out of people who wouldn't even be third stringers in an X-Men: Days of Future Past sequel. Um, and and I, I guess I read something online. I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently there were plans at one point to include more X-Men and New Mutants. Um, into this movie, including Cannonball, but apparently it didn't really work out. And I think poor Cannonball, poor Cannonball, <laughs> for the probably for the best because by going uh, by only using a few, those two X Men in particular, uh, I felt like well, you know, we get more Colossus than we ever thought we would ever get from an X Men family film, and he he almost steals the movie. I mean, yes. he's extremely entertaining. But yeah, I mean, like I I was I. I, I kind of sat there for almost all 
all of the movie watching it in a state of being simultaneously entertained by it. So my first general thought is super entertaining movie in a really hard R kind of way. Very hard R. Very hard R. Super violent, super sexual, super foul, my mouth. Yeah, uh, I mean, mean, the only thing to compare this to in the superhero genre, I think, would would, would be Kick-Ass and its sequel. And, And to me, this goes beyond those movies just for pure vulgarity and pure amount of, you know, there are not just heads being exploded from bullets. There are people being visibly slammed against kind of freeway signs and exploding into sort of pulp of, of blood and gore. Yeah, it's like, it was almost like every frame, every line, every scene of this movie was a, a creative opportunity to really kind of push to the extremes, but in a very entertaining way. I mean, yeah. I, someone listening to this and might say, that sounds terrible. But but, but really, it is, I mean, there's something absolutely very creative about the the vulgarity of it all, um, but also extremely entertaining about the energy, the action uh, of it all. So I was simultaneously, like, absolutely entertained by it, simultaneously completely overwhelmed by the extremes of it all. Well, and I, I think part of this is the, the structure of the movie is really interesting. And really so, impressed by the, and, and simultaneously really uh, impressed by the structure of the movie, which re, which kind of like uh, took me out of the movie in as much as I was admiring its offbeat, unusual way of telling an origin story. Yes, well, so, so this is this is why I think Deadpool is interesting and occasionally frustrating, o- only because there is an audacity to the first few scenes of this movie that really do just throw you right in to the middle of something that, you know, is very knowingly playing with a superhero style of action and then going far beyond that in terms of violence and in terms of humor as well. And I think that to the extent that this movie works, it works because there is a a kind of puckish self-awareness to how R-rated it is. Whereas my frustrations with, with, with the kick-ass movies were always that at a certain level they seem to want to take the material seriously. And here, it, it, it is a fun R-rated action movie. It's actually a, it's actually a vengeance movie. It's yes. a revenge well, movie that nested and, and nested within the revenge movie is this origin story and the, and the structure of the film, if, unless you want to walk through it. I, well, so, so yeah, like, so... so, so you see the sort of beginning of this action scene, and then, you know, with the sort of, uh, essentially, it's like Ferris Bueller's Day-esque narration from Deadpool, you are then conjured back into a, a an origin story. And from there, for the first, I don't know, two-thirds of the movie, it's kind of cutting in between this vengeance narrative and the origin yes, story. Yes, in fact, I, 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 I looked at my phone to see what time it was at the moment that the flashbacks technically technically ended. If it's if the movie did start at seven, and I'm not sure it did. Yeah, it's a it's an hour and fifteen minutes at the most of yeah, like this opening sequence where like Deadpool makes a move against some bad guys that leads to this amazing action sequence uh, on a freeway that has been largely used for the trailer. Um, all that stuff of like. Of, of Deadpool encountering Colossus um, on, on the freeway with those overturned cars is the centerpiece of a very long action st- scene that really stretches o- over an hour because through it all, 
um, we are cutting away to these flashbacks that tell the, 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 the tragic story of how this ordinary, good-hearted mercenary ends up becoming a super-powered And, and uh, this is, this is uh, where mercenary. the movie became frustrating for me, only because given the kind of the, the audacity with which the movie opens and with which the, the character in the movie holds itself, I, I was... But this is what I, I want to ask you about. Were you frustrated that it seemed to feel the need to hit all the beats of a superhero origin story movie? Because this movie actually, although it is from 20th Century Fox and is in either the X-Men universe or some pocket corner of that universe, one of the fun things about the X-Men movies I've always thought is that they seem not at all interested in the kind of cultivation of a clear continuity the way that the Marvel right. Studios movies do. Um, there, there, it was strange to me that, given the character, it did feel like there was still a sanding off of his edges a little bit. As, as, as you point out, when we meet him, he's a mercenary, but he's kind of a nice guy mercenary. There was a lot of talk in the movie about people wanting to make him into a hero, and th th there was a lot of that that, on one hand, I found frustrating only because it felt like the movie could have gone in a radically different direction. On the other hand, I, I, I was struck by the fact that this movie did hit all those beats, but seemed devoted to hitting those beats in a different way. And yeah. you know, it, it was almost as if it, it was almost as if it was thinking, "What if, let's say, Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man was basically the same movie, but it was R-rated?" And, and I, I found that I, I enjoyed that, even if you know, it, it felt like there was a lot they could have done that they didn't necessarily do. Did you kind of like the fact that it it so adopted that kind of superhero? origin story narrative, or would you, would you wanted to see do something radically different, I guess? Uh, two things is that, I, no, I, I didn't mind the sort of, like, approach, appropriation of the classic sort of superhero uh, uh, origin story, or at least one of them. I, I think they, they found some interesting points of, of, of deviation. Um, uh, that said, uh, I, I, it was only in retrospect that as I sort of, like, thinking about well, I, I, I think I was actually aware of it in the movie. Like, yeah, we're, we're, Ryan Reynolds' character's name is Wade, um, I believe. Like, but Wade is a mercenary by trade. Um, but he is like the the nice. Not, I wouldn't say he's nice. I mean, he's a, he's an outrageous character. But the jobs, if we're defining his his the the, the morality of his mercenary by the jobs he takes, he, he takes these jobs of like of, of looking out for like little people who are being picked on. As we, we, we meet him in the movie, he's, like, scaring off a, uh, a, a guy who's stalking a teenage girl. Um, and he doesn't really do anything mean to this person. He just threatens that he, he will do that. <laughs> but that said, um, the, 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 the stuff I liked about his origin story is I, I like the fact that he was this anti-hero to begin with. I loved the, um, the the love story. He falls in love with uh, well, he falls in love with a waitress stripper. I guess so maybe that's not the most admirable. <laughs> waitress one stripper, I... prostitute, uh, the heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, she seems to like Voltron, which is which feels like a real. I it was interesting to me that they, this is something that I'm not sure is necessarily present in the comics, but which I found interesting. They did make Wade Wilson into a nerd. Which, or at least into a classical definition of a nerd, and there's the scene where, um, you know, they're kind of in bed together, and Morena 
Baccarin, uh, who plays his sort of girlfriend, makes a specific reference to Empire Strikes Back, that it, it felt as if this was definitely a movie that was reaching out to its audience in that specific, explicit way, which I found kind of interesting. But, right. Uh, yeah, I, I, like, regardless of the archetype that she has to play, which is not necessarily, you know, the, you know, the greatest representation of women ever, um, uh, they had great chemistry, and I completely fell in love with their, with their relationship. Um, and then, and then, without spoiling everything for you, like the the catalyst for Wade to seek out this like experimental treatment, um, I thought was poignant um, and and completely bought. And the reasons why he went and did it, um, and of course, it's like that classic like sci-fi superhero origin story where an experiment goes terribly wrong with a Faustian bargain twist. Yes. And uh, and he ends up becoming these getting these powers. I I, I appreciated it for the the riffs and the and, the, and, and the ways in which it conformed to that story, the way it departed from it. I thought it was it was it was cool. What what? But responding specifically to your I to what you said was that you were a little frustrated by it. What I was initially frustrated by with the movie at the beginning was just the rhythms of the movie. Um, yeah, we begin in Medius Race with like him, like uh, like like going after this bad guy and dropping us in the middle of an action scene. Um, but it goes on a little long, and we kind of don't know what he's there's, after. What there's, the so many, are, there's so many there's so many cutbacks to them still on that freeway. Yeah, at a certain point, it was kind of like I mean, you know, this is although a cheaper movie than the mega huge Avengers movies, it's still a pretty big budget movie. So it was just kind of like, all right, guys, like y- you got to get off that, that freeway set at a certain point. It goes on for so long and, 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 and we don't get deep enough. I mean, th- th- there's a, there's a stretch at the beginning of the movie where I kind of felt like I didn't have enough context for Wade or what was at stake here to really care about this action sequence beyond anything but a sort of visceral action choreography, outrageous violence level. Um, but once I understood what the rhythms of the movie were, it was that we were going to get this long sequence with a lot of flashbacks in the midst of it, and we're going to start filling in these blanks. As soon as I got, uh, uh, I'm like, okay, I understand how this movie works, I then kind of like gave myself over to it and the more we got to understand Wade, the more we got more of that relationship with his girlfriend, the more I really began to care about everything. So that once we get into the hour and 15 minute mark, the flashbacks are over, and then we're moving ahead with the narrative, and moving pretty quickly toward, an, toward the climax. <laughs> I mean, the movie really is this extended action sequence. Half of it is an extended action sequence with flashbacks, and then when they're over, it's a race to the finish. Um, <laughs> yes, there is, there is an Act 2 interspersed with Act 1, followed immediately by Act 3, which is sort of interesting. But once I understood how the movie worked, and once I understand what the rhythms of the movie work, I actually was able to get myself over, and, and once I started caring more about the stakes of everything... Yeah, that, I, I cared about that outcome, and I cared more about the, the last forty-five minutes. And on the whole, it really, it really worked for me. I, 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 I grew to really like Deadpool, and like I think Ryan Reynolds is really great in this movie in a way that he hasn't been great in a long time, um, if ever. I mean, <laughs> I was about to correct you on that. So I'm, 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 I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Super entertaining. Uh, the, the, the humor is just so consistently 
outrageous and funny and inventive with its outrageousness. Um, some of those action sequences are just like so. From the opening credit sequence to the, to, to the end, it's just very funny and really well done. Jeff, we're joined by a very special guest right now. Yes. First timer on the Geekly podcast. It's Natalie Abrams. Natalie, can you can you lean in a bit? Introduce yes. yourself to what's your? Uh, I mean, we all know, of course. That what do you do a, here? Yeah, what do you, what do, you oh, do exactly? I, mean, I read a little bit about television. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. senior writer here at EW, and I'm crashing this because I also saw Deadpool last night. That's we right. unexpectedly uh, walked right into you outside of the theater last night, uh, and uh, we had to have a conversation. We we had to continue the conversation. You say that. unexpected. I was stalking you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a little inappropriate, but it's all right. Are you a Deadpool fan, or did you just go as a genre fan? I just went as a genre fan. Uh, I haven't read the comics. My only interaction with Deadpool was him standing outside of Comic-Con, where those protesters, uh, the church protesters, stand yes. out there. Deadpool was out there one year, and I said, you know what? I like that guy. <laughs> Wait, was, he, was, he, was he holding up his own? Uh, yeah, like, I want to say he had a, a sign that said, Neil before Zod. <laughs> And I was all in. I was like, great, I will watch Deadpool. But when, we're not, when you know, obviously it's Ryan Reynolds was, you know, born to play this role. I thought he oh, was yeah. so perfect in this role. And uh, I don't know. I was surprised. Yes, while it's crazy and hilarious and pop culture reference heavy, uh, it also had, like, just the tiniest bit of heart. Like, the tiniest yeah. bit of heart that you can have in a Deadpool movie without getting soapy or... Well, and, and now, so, talking about Ryan Reynolds, one of the things that's been very clear in the lead-up to this movie is that, and I, I kind of love this about him, he is very aware of the fact that he has starred in two superhero movies that are awful. And, and specifically, he actually played a version of Deadpool in the X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, and he played a version of, of, of Green Lantern in Green Lantern. And it felt like in this movie... You could just really tell that he was like, I'm finally doing it. Like, like I'm finally getting to do the role that I've always kind of wanted to do that these earlier movies didn't let me do, which I thought was super cool. I absolutely agree, and I totally am so happy that they threw that Wolverine origin story for Wade Wilson out the window. <laughs> yes. Uh, without, you know, severing the ties between them. We get some Wolverine jokes in there pretty early into the movie, so I was glad that there was a least connection. Actually, I was pretty surprised by how much they could connect to the other Marvel films. Not just the X-Men, but but also to the Avengers. That uh, not going to spoil anything, but that uh, final set piece uh, has a pretty heavy tie to the Avengers. That's right. And, and I was pretty surprised about that. In an unspoken way. I think, let's, let, let, let's spoil this for people. Yeah, let's, let's start talking spoilers now. Uh, Deadpool is in theaters this week, so if you don't want to be too spoiled on some Avengers thing, that I didn't even get that's what it was. <laughs> oh, Natalie just wrote down for me what the spoiler is, and now it's blowing my mind. Let's, let's talk spoilers. Natalie, what are you referencing with your Avengers thing? Uh, can we talk spoilers? Is this allowed? Yeah. Am I going to be killed Absolutely. by Deadpool? Go for it. Go okay, for it. all right. Uh, so, yeah, the, the final set piece takes place on the helicarrier uh one of the helicarriers that i'm sure went down and actually probably winter soldier and it is kind of epic to see what it looks like on the ground like a destroyed yeah. helicarrier it was a really good set piece to sort of connect the worlds uh um outside of even fox you know going over to marvel you can know they, can they do that can they get away with that they i did. thought that was all well, marvel it's interesting, though. I, 
to my knowledge in the movie, in the text of the movie, that is never called out. It's basically an elaborate sight gag, if you will. It's, it's one of the few things that is not deliberately called out. But yes, it's, uh, and, I, and I love that. It's like, is, are they, is that a helicarrier? Really? Is that like what's going on there? But yes, it is. But um, it's, like I said, like, uh, it's one of the few times in which the movie is not drawing attention to continuity, either in world or even breaking the the, 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 the wall, the fourth wall of the of, of, with us to call things. Yeah, out. my yeah, my my favorite version of the very explicit reference was uh, so, so Colossus. Who really, I think Colossus is so fun in this movie that, that that character was entirely CGI. We never see him in, in human Colossus form, which is kind of interesting. But there's a moment where Colossus's whole arc in this movie is trying to convince Deadpool to join the X-Men. And at one point he says, let's go see the professor. And, and Deadpool says, Stuart or McAvoy? <laughs> Which I found very entertaining. I um, also like when uh, Deadpool shows up at uh, at Pro- Professor X's you know, mansion and, and is like, you know, I only see two of you X-Men. <laughs> In this movie, it's almost like they couldn't afford more. And that was such. That was, that a was great very joke. And, and, and to, to another meta moment that I really liked. I remember we were talking with you after the movie that you really talked about this, and I thought it was great. And kind of goes back to the Ryan Reynolds of it all. The movie is very self. Ryan Reynolds is very self-aware of Ryan Reynolds. Like at one point, Deadpool in character makes a joke. Or references like Ryan Reynolds' career. I think he says like 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 looks are everything. Do you think Ryan Reynolds got this far yes. on acting ability yes. or something like that? Which is very entertaining. And there are the Green Lantern jokes. One we saw in the trailer. Don't make the suit green or or CGI. But there's another one if you spotted it in the beginning and the opening credits. Uh, and I would really highly suggest when you're watching the opening scene, which is all done in slow-mo, usually I don't pay attention to the credits, who's this directed by, who's this written by. Please pay you don't attention. Care. You don't care. As a, <laughs> as, a, as a pop culture reporter, you're just like, whoever. Whatever. Directed well, by someone... whoever, written by some dude or well, some Well, I want to focus on the actual <laughs> visual of the movie. And so I missed the first couple, but there are some very good jokes at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to say, too, I mean, just, uh, I'm I interested to know where you kind of think this fits in with superhero movies in general. Because one thing, uh, when we were talking after the movie, I was just saying that, you know, I... Having grown up in the 90s, I always like it when movies use songs on their soundtrack and and use them well. And I like how this movie really takes what Guardians of the Galaxy could do with its mixtape. And if anything, I I would say, maybe just because I'm more a fan of this kind of music, it does incredible things with the songs. I mean, there's the DMX song at one point. Their use of Angel in the Morning almost brought a tear to my eye. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, Wham. Whoa, I mean, Wham, wham, which is very explicitly used in (laughs) in the movie, which I found kind of interesting. But so, uh, Natalie, you do plenty of writing on superhero TV shows. Where where do you think this this fits in with superhero movies that you've seen? Is is this this up there for you? uh, Yes, it's definitely up there. Last night was the first of many viewings for me. I don't think this is like any superhero movie we've seen before. One, he will point out, Deadpool himself, this is not a superhero movie. But two, it's rated R. 
they can go there. They can show you that blood, guts, and gore that you're not going to see in a regular superhero movie. It is very gory, uh, which I actually enjoyed myself. Right. I don't think it was too gratuitous. As, a, as, a, as a sociopath, you actually prefer yeah. that in, in your movie. I do, I do. You yeah. were, you're always wondering, how come Thor doesn't mash a guy's head in with, with his hammer? I mean, this is the question that we've all asked ourselves. Come on, anytime he hits a guy in the head with a hammer, that guy's head is should be a pancake. Come on. Uh, but they never show that. In Deadpool, they show that, and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I will say that there were two things missing for me Ooh. in this movie. Uh, if we're going to get into spoilers, spoiler alert. Uh, one is, I don't recall a chimichanga mention. There's one in the trailer, but there's not in the movie. <laughs> there wasn't some kind of like, like it, 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 it wasn't like along the side or something like that? Yeah, it wasn't I, didn't, any... I don't recall seeing one. I'll have to go for a second viewing, a third, fourth, and fifth viewing. But uh, I did not see one last night. The other thing was... Because everybody had seen that leaked footage, uh, uh, the animated footage from, you know, what, two Comic-Cons ago, I thought he would make a, a very meta-referential joke, being like, oh, you've all already seen this. Mm. I was sort of almost uh, expecting yeah. him yeah. to make that joke, and he didn't. And I thought that was a missed opportunity. But, like, here are my two gripes, and look how tiny they right. are. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it sounds like then you were ultimately very satisfied. Yes, yes, I was, absolutely. Do you, where, what am I trying to say here, guys? Uh, the question I, I want to ask is, who's this movie for? Like, is, is, is this movie, you know, for, for people over the past 10, 16 years now of superhero movies that have been raised on this, are, is the are people ready for this movie? Like the, the the kids that grew up on superhero movies as tweens, teens that are now adults and now can go see this hard R rated movie. Like, is are they ready for this? Jeff, uh, are you going to let your son see this movie, or are you going to force him to buy tickets for uh, like some some CGI animated comedy and then sneak into Deadpool? Because <laughs> my son is Deadpool aware. Like we were talking about this, like my, my my son who doesn't know, like doesn't read comics, doesn't read Deadpool comics, but he and his buddies uh, totally know Deadpool. And you know, you kind of answered a little bit of my question when you guys were talking about Wolverine. I completely forgot that yes, Deadpool was introduced in that movie, but he hasn't seen that either. So I don't know how he doesn't need to. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> but that said, that said, uh, I I. I was thinking about bringing him to this movie, and now I am so glad I didn't, because everyone would have looked at me leaving the theater with my 14-year-old going, what kind of dad are you? But no, I, I guess you know, it's funny, like, I, I bring him up only because, so I think, what I found interesting about Deadpool, so I, I, I was talking before Natalie, I, I grew up reading the Deadpool solo comics that actually comprise a lot of the foundation of this movie. There's a run from the mid-90s where you met Blind Al, the character who's his roommate, and you met Weasel, and, you know, it, it established, like, like the bar that they go to that is sort of a bar only for hitmen. And so on one hand, you know, all of, you know, all of that and, and the copious references to comic book stuff, I kind of enjoyed. But I feel like this movie actually maybe plays better if you're someone who mainly knows superheroes from superhero movies. Because I think if you're someone who's grown up with superhero movies, I think you're kind of ready for a movie that is, 
you know, more, more mature only in the sense of it's R-rated and so they can kill people. And they, you know, they can do the, the fun things that define maturity. I'm not sure I would say it's mature on a storytelling level or a thematic level, but I think if you're someone who's grown up with five Spider-Man movies and you kind of just want a Spider-Man movie where there is killing and there's vulgarity and there's humor and there's, there's all the stuff you can't do in a PG-13 movie. So in a, in a way, I think your son may be more the key demographic than, than someone like me is, if that makes any sense. Sure. I think that if you're a superhero movie fan who has grown cynical about superhero movies, this works really well for you. But if you're a superhero movie fan that needs your heroes to be heroic and to be somewhat <laughs> admirable, um, uh, then no. No, this is not. If, if you had problems with Superman killing Zod in Man of Steel, you will have serious problems with this movie. Oh, I actually think Superman killing uh, General Zod in Man of Steel is worse Ooh. than anything Deadpool does. In, Do tell. in the movie, because that none of what Deadpool does is out of character for sure. Movie. Absolutely. So this, you should go in expecting a foul mouth, you know, vulgar, uh, bloody, uh, crazy, sort of criminally, criminally kind of insane superhero. Uh, whereas Man of Steel literally. Well, yeah, there's two criticisms of Man of Steel. That. There's two criticisms of Man of Steel. One is that Superman was acting out of character. Got that. But I think there is another kind of like superhero fan that needs their superheroes to be noble. You know, that that, that goes to this to, to see that. Yes, they're open to some flaws. Yes, I'll watch you fall a little bit, but then reclaim your heroic franchise. If you're that second kind of person, then no, this well, movie is and, and not to, to Natalie's point, though, what I find interesting is that with Man of Steel, even though he does kill Zod... Um, the movie goes out of its way to kind of sanctify him still, to the point that there are literally kind of Christ-allegorizing visuals in the movie. Deadpool, it's fair to say, does not do that to the same extent. And so right. in a way, I, I don't know. But, but really, Jeff, what you're asking here, I think, is the big question of how well can this movie do and who is the audience for it? And it's one of those things where, you know, walking out of our theater last night, I mean, that theater was very excited about it, but it was also the kind of theater that was kind of cheering when there were Rob Liefeld references. Which right. is fair to say is not the typical moviegoer. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm always horrible. can be entertained by that kind of like extremism because it's really extreme. I mean, yeah. I think there's, I think there's another kind of person that goes and sees this movie and just says, like that was just too much for me. <laughs> like, oh, I, I would absolutely understand that because some of the gore, I, I, I certainly maybe turned my head a little bit uh, just because I was caught off. Sure, you did. Yeah, it. sure. You were, you were, you were standing up and cheering. <laughs> More gore. That was me. I don't don't know how you guys didn't know I was there sooner. Um, But 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 it also balances itself out with just some of those really funny moments when it comes to the gore. Uh, Spoiler alert: the baby hand, for instance. The uh, baby hand was was yes. Both the jokes that came out of the baby hand were. Just had when he died. says, when he says, just to set it up here, Deadpool has been kidnapped or has, has, has been captured and handcuffed by Colossus. He pulls out a knife and says, "Have you ever seen 127 hours?" Spoiler alert! And then cuts his own hand off. But you're right, though, Natalie. A, a joke like that, I think, it's followed by an actually even crazier and funnier joke when, for the next ten minutes, his hand is slowly growing back in a really, a genuinely gross. 
I mean, on, on the level of like a, like a David Cronenberg movie, like a gross baby hand just sort of protruding out of his wrist. And I, I like that. That, that. That's the kind of visual that is actually, it, it, it's funny and also really just visually distinctive in a way that you don't always get in superhero movies. But that also made me wonder for hopefully Deadpool two, how many parts, how many body parts can be cut off and he can still regrow. Yes. In the comics, I think his head has been cut off. I'm, I, don't don't quote me on that, but I, I think that at some point that does happen. So then the question lies right there, and I pose to both of you: Does the body grow back from the head, or does the the uh, body grow a new head. Or is it like, or is it like that one worm where they they both grow and there's and, and, and then there are two Deadpool. Two, two Deadpool. <laughs> I think you just pitched the second movie, which is Deadpool versus Deadpool. So he gets his head caught off. I'll take a cut, then, like, the head Deadpool? regenerates a body, and the body regenerates a head, and then they take on different personalities or different morality. Can it be? Yeah. Can it be Deadpool v Deadpool? Dot of Deadpool after the title. Yeah. That would be, but yeah, I guess in a way, what I like mainly is because this is going to be the biggest superhero. movie movie year in sheer in sheer quantity in several years now this feels like something kind of new as far as being a very self-aware like the fact that a sequel could actually be commenting on other superhero movies in a way that we really haven't seen i don't know i i I like that i I like that even more than i like some of sort of some of the wacky energy of this movie specifically that makes me wonder if if, uh, if if the movie might play better if nestled in between the two huge, like, megalithic... Like, you're, saying, uh, you're saying, like, if it, was, if it was in between Captain America 3 and X-Men 7 or 8 or whatever, it might or like, better. Or, like, Batman versus Superman, which comes out in March, right? And then, like, uh, then those summer movies, the X-Men and... Uh, and and and, and Captain, Captain America three colon Iron Man four dash Avengers two and a half. Yeah. That's the that's yeah. the full title. I think. Um, the thing is, with sorry to interrupt, uh, but I was just going to say, you know, with Batman versus Superman coming out, those who in March, those who were disappointed with that superhero, uh, the the initial one, Man of Steel. If they go to a theater and see their option is Deadpool over Batman versus Superman, I honestly think that they would take Deadpool. Huh. And and I don't want to like stake my money where my mouth is, but I if Deadpool goes on the track that I think it's gonna go, it could be one of the highest rated R rated film, the highest uh, grossing R rated film. Woo! I I think so. I thought I read somewhere where it was tracking. Uh, for a very big opening, fifty-five to sixty million. Yeah, but I wonder if that's—is that the audience for the movie right there? Does everyone who wants to see Deadpool do they go opening weekend and then and then and then that's like a seventy percent hit the second week? No way! Don't you want to see it again? There are so many references you likely missed the first time around. I think a second, a third, fourth, fifth viewing is totally warranted, and you're going to enjoy it just as much the second or third time and around. I'm intrigued to know, too, because the flip side of all of this is if it does hit that big this weekend, then I think there may be some positive buzz around it. And there's not... A, like, like I think Batman v Superman is the first real competitive 
like competitive movie in that bracket, and that's not coming out for a few weeks. So it, it, it can do pretty. But you're saying, do you think it'll do better than Batman v Superman? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I domestically. I would money where your mouth is. I know, I know. Domestically, you were saying if if you were the kind of person that was disappointed with Man of Steel, and you had a choice between those two films, yes, you think if, that Deadpool would be more appealing? But I think a lot of families might bring their their kids to go Deadpool. see Batman versus Superman. No, not Deadpool. Not like Jeff, you, Jeff. Jeff is forcing his kids to see Deadpool. Actually, he's but, he's he's putting them in the Clockwork Orange. <laughs> that's that's what Batman versus Superman has that sort of edge because it's not right. uh, uh, rated as you know far. But but at the same time, I also think Batman versus Superman looks a little dark as yeah. well. So not it's not going to be like Deadpool dark uh, and inappropriate, but that might be difficult to bring their families to. Which is which is interesting though because it looks dark, but I. I feel a strong awareness now that I, I've seen the ceiling of darkness in a PG-13 movie, whereas now that I've seen Deadpool, which, you know, for all What's stuff, the ceiling of darkness? Well, <laughs> it's, it's actually the title of, of my memoir that I'm pitching. I, I guess what I mean is I'm so aware now that, like, I, for, all the, for all the stuff that I was less impressed with with Deadpool, I have now seen a movie that is R-rated that can do a lot of things that a PG-13 movie, no matter how dark or bleak it wants to be, it can only really hint at. Like, like the, and so I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that, you know, when I go see Man of the Superman, the darkness will feel somehow kind of affected to me, I think. And I, I wonder I wonder if people feel that, especially because, Natalie, I know you're excited about Suicide Squad, which is coming out in August, which is another sort of darker superhero movie. But it's going to be PG-13. I, I, I wonder how that will play now that we've seen... A superhero movie that almost suicidally was like, we're going hard R at a time when these kinds of movies are only PG-13. Yeah, I'm curious if, if Suicide Squad will end up feeling like light. You yes, know, yeah. Deadpool light. light. After Deadpool. Oh, but yeah. to go back to your question of whether I think Deadpool could do better than Batman vs. Superman in the box office, Batman vs. Superman has a built-in audience. Even though Man of Steel wasn't great, it still did gangbusters in the box office because everybody is curious about the Superman, right? right can, can Henry Cavill capture what Christopher Reeves did, right? Now it's going to be, can Ben Affleck capture what we saw with Christian Bale? And so people will flock to the theaters just to see, just the sheer curiosity of the comparison, right? So I think in that sense, maybe the next film Deadpool would do better than, but this one, there's still a reason to, to go see it, even if they think it'll be bad. I think, I think that question has actually already been settled down. Go uh, on. No, Ben Affleck will not. <laughs> yes, of course. Christian Bale's <laughs> uh, But um, I think that we will go just because we're stupid. I mean, I mean, guys, I'm going because this is continuing the trend that Deadpool just started, where great cast members from Fast and Furious 6 are in superhero movies now. Gina Carano was in Deadpool. She was great. Gal Gadot is going to be in Batman v Superman. She's great. I said the Rock is going to be in Shazam. I mean, like, it, it, it all goes back to Furious 6, it turns out. I, I said this last night to you guys, but I was so happy that Gina Carano got her butt beat. In, in Deadpool because I hated her so much in Fast and the Furious that I, it, it, it sort of spilled out to Deadpool and I was cheering on Colossus. Uh, uh, Nat, uh, I, I know you have to go because you even interview coming up. Uh, final thoughts on Deadpool? Uh, it's, it's pretty close. Oh, 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 I Jeff. have one more question. 
Jeff's a question. And that, Jeff, I'm, I'm good. I actually, uh, my, my interview got pushed. So. Okay, good, good. Because I, I, I definitely want to... You never had an interview. Come on. <laughs> Don't try to sound important. Get me out of here. <laughs> These boys are driving crazy. Um, I, I definitely wanted to ask you, uh, I wanted to ask this question with you here, because one of the things we were talking about last night is just how steeped and chock-a-block this movie is with pop culture references. Mm -hmm. And, like, if there is a reason for us to go repeated times afterward, uh, it is to, like, you know, like, write down every, like, there needs to be some survey done. Yes, we all need to take turns. pop culture references in this movie. I'm sure it'll reach into the hundreds. I mean, it's that, like, like steeped and that uh, self-aware. But one thing I, I thought upon reflection in this movie is that how many of them are more likely to play best with people of a certain age. Do you feel that way? I mean, like, at one point, Deadpool makes a Yakov Smirnoff joke and, and Spin Doctor's joke at the same time, and I'm like, who gets that joke? Oh, that's interesting. You know? That is really interesting. Yeah, who is it kind of... And also, like, like, like the Wham joke is the kind of the same jokes. way. Where you are kind of like, is this a guy, like... Is this a guy who hasn't who stopped listening to music in the late '80s? Which is fine if, if that's so. But you, you're right. That, that is the that references are very Gen X, early millennial. Like I, I'm Matt, wondering that as a as a millennial yourself, how do you feel about that? You know how much I love being called a millennial. <laughs> uh, I you speak for your generation. Oh God, I do not speak for my generation, <clears throat> Lena Dunham. Um, so wow. so. Uh, no, what I was going to say, though, yeah, they had jokes like that, that maybe, for me, those jokes just sort of were whatever. It was, right. I, I understood the joke, didn't find it particularly funny, but then you have a character, like, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, that took me forever to remember her name, um, where you get those younger jokes, like the tweeting, well, you know, when they're in the middle of a battle or something like that. So I think it sort of ranges. I think it plays to multiple audiences. I mean, I mean, that someone your age must have especially appreciated that very early in the movie, Deadpool looks at his watch, and, and the watch is an Adventure, Adventure Time, Time watch. Yes. I mean, I, I really so they're not exclusively yeah. like like. Well, I mean, that's, that's the kind of all stuff, over the place, and that's yeah. the kind of stuff that I like too because that is so just randomly thrown in there in a very. It's something that you don't often see in superhero movies or any blockbuster just because they tend to be so architected by so many people. A moment like that felt very spontaneous to me in a way that yes. reminded me of, of the comic books in the sense that it felt like, you know, it, 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 it was a funny thing that they thought of on the set. It wasn't something that went through Kevin Feige and multiple layers of sort of Zack Snyder rewrites or, or anything like I, that. I also think that they don't get so specific on jokes of the current era right now that in 10 years this movie will feel dated. I, I think it's pretty wide-ranging. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like in 5-10 years I'll still laugh just as hard at these jokes. So. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I thought she was great. The, the, the actress's name is Brianna Hildebrand. I kind of just liked her, her role in the movie I thought was really funny in part because, you know, it, it's just sort of fun to have that kind of, you know, angsty, annoying teenage character in the film. But I also liked it because... Moody teen. Moody, uh, moody, moody teen. teen. What are those uh, like, She's introduced Jeff? in the credits. No, did you... No, 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 no. Yes, In yes. the credits, she's introduced as... She's she's billed as the moody teen. Yes. <laughs> but what I liked, too, was that thinking about the other X-Men movies, you know, the, the thing that I always kind of wanted to see in an X-Men movie is just someone like that 
who is, you know, a, a, a recognizable young mutant who, you know, it is not like a Wolverine or someone who's really kind of like tragically defined or anything. And in a weird way, I was kind of like, you know, I kind of want to see like a New Mutants movie where her and other people like her sort of factor into it. I don't know. It felt like, given how this movie could totally exist in a vacuum without any other films, I was kind of like, oh, cool. Like, that's that's a side of the X-Men that we don't usually get to see in these huge kind of universe-saving movies, which they mostly do now. Yes. I like that her powers weren't polished. Um, which was much like Wade Wilson. So it, was, she, she, it wasn't an origin story for her by any means, but, you know, Colossus points out this is, you know, a trainee sort of thing. So she wasn't awesome at what she does. Yeah, she, right. was, she was still figuring it out, which made for a lot of funny jokes, you know, heading up to the helicarrier, uh, just battling the, the uh, Gina Carano's character, Angel. That's a really good point, uh, though. There was a, there was a creative use of her powers, mm-hmm. in a way, just as, as far as, like, and again, because this movie is not as big budget as some superhero movies, but the action stuff was just kind of interesting because of stuff like that. Like, it's not just two super strong people kind of pummeling each other, although there was some of that. I would have liked more rules for her power because what I didn't understand is like does she need some charge time like she uses her powers and then like then she then she kind of like disappears from the action and she's hiding somewhere and so I was wondering like like does she have to recharge this huge explosion every time she uses it I mean, like, if, if only we could have had Cannonball in there also, so then we could have had two different exploding uh, <laughs> characters. Right. I was reading about that. I, apparently, they, they, may, they may have just left Cannonball out because they thought he was lame, which is, <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I put Cannonball pretty high on my X-Men ranking, but he well. is pretty lame. <laughs> um, Matt, uh, final thoughts on Deadpool. You clearly want to see more of this. What do you want to see in Deadpool 2? I honestly want to see Ryan Reynolds get his head chopped off and a second Ryan Reynolds grow out and see Deadpool versus Deadpool, Dawn of Deadpool. I mean, that's it. That's, we need a hashtag. That's going to be the longest hashtag ever, but yes, we need a hashtag. That. Uh, Jeff, uh, did final thoughts on Deadpool. Do you want to see Deadpool 2? Uh, what would you want to see in a potential sequel? Should this movie do well with the Jensen Child demographic? Um, I... Uh, I, I I want to see more sex jokes. There just weren't enough sex jokes in that movie. We got pegging in the movie. My God, don't search pegging if you're at work right now listening to this podcast. If that was not enough sex for you, no. I'm, I'm, no, I'm really just, shocked. I'm just joking. Um, no, I, I think that the, the, the story you're pitching there, I don't know how I could want anything else but the story that we've just kind of concocted for the, for the sequel. But I... Like, I would love to see um, a little more money thrown at the movie, uh, a little more plot, you know, just a, a little more story, and um, but that same kind of, like, uh, storytelling voice, uh, that same kind of humor, and I really like the Ryan Reynolds and Marina Baccarin chemistry. I hope there's, I, I, I don't know. She was really good in the she, movie. Yeah, she was really good. I mean, like, yeah, I mean yeah. like, you know, she obviously, you know, is, is a member of, of the sainted Firefly cast, and she was actually really good on the V reboot, which I think I might be the only person who watched every episode yes, of I, it. I watched as well, Darren. She, I mean, That's I mean, why we like each we other. Should, at some point, we have to talk about 
the V series finale, which is one of the greatest series finales ever, because they kill everyone. It's just about as good as the Flash Forward series finale. <laughs> now, 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 the Flash Forward series finale, that's the one where they thought they were going to have six more seasons, and so they jumped forward in time ten years. That's a different kind of finale. That's the yeah. sort of willful amusement. Um, what, what I would want to see is there's a great comic book that I'm, I'll, I'll try to find uh, next time I'm at home. I mean, I'll, I'll dig through the old Garen archives from the 90s and see if I can find it, where it establishes that Deadpool fell in love with death. The, the actual sort of like, you know, personified version of death that lives in the Marvel Universe. Now, I'm not sure which studio owns the rights to that character now, although, as, as you point out, Natalie, maybe Fox just doesn't care anymore. But if they do the thing in Avengers Infinity War where Thanos is in love with death, I'd love it if Deadpool 2 could somehow parody that in, in some way. It's, it's one of the best and craziest stories ever because it's actually a really tender love story that happens to be about, like, kind of gross sort of like uh you know experiment phase deadpool falling in love with again the character death who is the grim reaper it's it's fascinating stuff if they could give a like that's where i'm saying that heart comes from with that relationship with marina background and brian reynolds characters it, it, if it'll give a little heart to deadpool too then yes i'm all for it <laughs> bring on death that big sweetheart Matt, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. We'll get you back on here because uh, you got us both turned on to 12 Monkeys, yes. I believe, which is, which is coming back soon. We'll definitely have you back on to discuss that. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Entertainment Geek.